are live for the 126th episode of the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast, brought to you, as always, by Six Pack Coverage. Tonight, Andrew, joined by G. G, how's it going? How's it going? Doing well. Going on, everyone. It's about 20 days since our last podcast. Busy end of, of the summer, as always. Uh, and also, the Yankees, as everyone knows, went through a funk that just like made baseball not fun made wanting to podcast not a whole lot of fun um we're, we're gonna focus on the fact that they're starting to turn the tide a little bit go forward here but gee what's going on man great to be back on, on the podcast i i haven't done one in like almost a month so <laughs> what's going on uh, yeah, so the Yankees didn't play baseball for the whole month of August, which is to say they did, but they just played really shitty, terrible baseball, and it made us sad. And now we're here, and it is the middle of September, and, you know, a couple, two or three weeks to go in the season. They're starting to turn it back, you know, turn the turn it back on a little bit here. Aaron Judge never turned it off, so that is something that we can all be excited about, and otherwise... Uh, they had a few guys go out. They had a few guys come back. They have a few guys that are about to come back. And we have what I believe is a little bit more hope than we did maybe three weeks ago. So things are generally on the upswing. But you yeah, know, we, can always, of, we can always demand more. This is where they, what, what they kind of do every year, right? We, you don't want to hit the panic button, but it's like, look, everyone's injured. They're not hitting. And then all of a sudden start stringing together some wins in September, start getting healthy into the postseason. We've seen that they've had some momentum going into the postseason pretty much each of the last, maybe three of the last four years. Maybe last year was the exception because they kind of backed in on the last day. But I'd like to see people get back and and play healthy for like three, four weeks before the season ends rather than just get guys within the last 10 days of the regular season because then you haven't really gotten hitters hitting their strides yet. Like we still haven't seen Rizzo who knows when Benintendi or Carpenter are going to come back. So you don't want them to just show up healthy for the postseason. They need to get their reps in beforehand, but look, all things considered as we're sitting here recording this on Thursday night, the Yankees hold a six and a half game lead over the Toronto blue Jays, the blue Jays and the Rays played a four game set. I believe they split. Uh, so they were kind of flip-flopping who's in second place all week. Yankees magic number to clinch the division after Tampa Bay pounded Toronto this afternoon is down to 13 games. So that's a combination of Yankees wins and Blue Jays losses. Certainly the Yankees have an upcoming series in a week or two against the Blue Jays in Toronto. They could do big damage to that number there. But uh, with the upcoming games we have, hopefully you're you're taking a much bigger chunk before that series. Uh, Anyway, the Yankees have picked it up a little bit. We can get into how dreadful August was. I know you guys recorded after the Subway Series sweep, and they showed some signs of life there, but then they responded by losing a bunch of games again before picking it up starting around Labor Day. Uh, but they're 8-2 eight, eight and two in their last 10 games. Pitching's been good. Glaber Torres, among others, are starting to, to figure it out at the plate again. They've finally brought up Oswald Peraza and given him a chance. Well, he doesn't play as much this week, but when he first got promoted, he was playing. So things are looking up. Um, I guess let's just just kick off the show. Uh, What's been like the big turnaround moment for you, either like a specific game or uh, something in the clubhouse culture wise, some specific performance? Like what what has been the thing that's gotten the Yankees somewhat back on track in recent weeks for you? So. The month of August was, I think, um, in terms of historical context, one of the, like, their worst month in maybe a decade or two. Like, they were 10 and 18 for August. Yeah, but record aside, you know. it was just so unfun. It was like, oh, you, yeah, you I mean, you could look at the game logs. Look at the game logs, and it's all, like, two runs, three runs, zero runs. Like, you know, there was a stretch where they scored, like, what, one run in, like, 20 innings or something. Like, it was, it was really fucking bad. Like... Um, and so we potted, we did a pot after the Mets. They won two games against the Mets, which is wonderful. Uh, the Mets are in the midst of their own little collapse of sorts, I suppose. Um, so they did that. We're like, oh, great. You know, they won the last game of a Blue Jays series. They lost three out of four, but they won. And then they won two against the Mets. We're like, oh, rad. 
you know, three in a row. They came back out against the A's. They won the first two of that. And like, oh, rep, five in a row. Came back out, lost the next two of that series. They split a series with the A's. They came back and lost three more, or two of, two of three to the Angels. And at that point, we're like, all right, fuck, you know. So we're back down in the dumps again. They lost two out of three of the Rays. Rays are, you know, chop, chop, chopping away at the division lead. And then where it really sort of, I think, started to turn was last week. Um, they played a four-game set, you know, which turned out to be a wacky, you know, one game, rain out, doubleheader. And then um, so they went three out of four. I think the way they lost that last game was kind of really fucking annoying. Um, but, you know, three out of four gets the Twins. They came back out. We're all, again, a little uh, lathered up about the, you know, the Rays coming into town. Again, you know, narrowing division lead. Take two out of three from the Rays. And I think whatever that happened against the Twins, you know, kind of got them wound up again. Uh, I, I don't want you to, to, to bury the lead, and, and sorry to interrupt here, but keep in mind that game against the the fourth game against the Twins, in, in just a really really frustrating way to lose. You had the the missed calls on Glaber Torres with the bases loaded that could have tied the game. Um, just it seemed like there was way too much umpire involvement in, in that game. But then they came out the next day and they they almost got shut out. I think it was four to one until. They judge it a home run in the bottom of the ninth or something like that to make it 4-2, and they, they lost the race. And at that point, the division lead had been slimmed down to three and a half games. So even though they had won three out of four against the Twins, they backed it up with, well, they won the first three games, and they lost two in a row. And all of a sudden, it's like the Rays are right on our heels. They could leave this this series down one and a half games. What the hell are we doing here, right? And then they scored back-to-back 10-run games. And they scored all the runs in those, in those games within, what, the first three innings in both games? So, um, yeah, so crazy that, how quickly that changed. Yeah, I mean, so the Twins, you know, something about the Twins, you know, the Twins, God bless them. They can't ever beat the fucking Yankees, dude. Like, they just can't do it. Can't do it. You know, the last couple of years, they've been pretty decent. You know, one of the years, you know, they led the league in home runs. Like, they were, they've had a lot of stuff going for them, more so than maybe at any other point in our lifetime. They just can't beat the Yankees. Can't fucking do it. So, Twins, you know, cannon fodder, I guess you could say. Three out of four games against the Twins at at home was nice. And yeah, the Rays come to town. They look sleepy. The Rays have this pitching voodoo that they do. And, you know, you know, they lulled the Yankees to sleep and all that, you know, Friday night uh, game. But Giancarlo Stanton returned to the lineup in that game. And then they came out the next two days, uh, Saturday and Sunday against the Rays and just beat them savagely. You know, Stanton hit a couple home runs. Judge is hitting home runs again. Um, Gleyber Torres starting to hit the ball more. We could talk more about that yeah, a little bit more. He had two home runs in that second, that, that um, the the Sunday afternoon game. Was, and then, was so what was it? Um, Saturday, one of the games they scored. They had like seven or eight straight hits to open the game. Um, Poor Corey which, Kluber, except not. Yeah, God. <laughs> yeah, Corey Kluber's contribution to the Yankees was teaching Michael King whatever you know wiffle ball slider that he throws now. Um, they paid $10 million for it. And before the injury, it looked like it was pretty well worth it either way. Um, yeah, so they beat the Rays pretty fucking savagely Saturday and Sunday outscored them by a score of 20 to seven. Um, and yeah, so that was something that we hadn't seen in a long fucking time. It'd been weeks since the Yankees even approached double digits and they came out of the gates hot. And so that, you know, the Rays saw, you know, the, the twins, they softened them up a little bit and then, the Rays came to town. The Yankees were ready for him. And I think the addition of John Carlos Stanton back to the lineup really matters, especially because in recent, you know, week or two, basically, we're starting to see people realize it's just like, hey, Aaron Judge, like, why will we pitch to you? Why would we do that? Well, yeah, right? in that like, game they lost, well, it, it was the, the extra innings win, um, the Oswaldo Cabrera walk-off. Uh, which I think was the first game of the doubleheader uh, against, against the, the Twins, Twins. Yeah. and then and then throughout that that fourth game when the Yankees had opportunities and then didn't end up pushing ahead the tying go ahead runs. Rocco Baldelli was just like that, every time he comes up, four fingers done, get on base. Like no one else in this lineup. Who, who's gonna who's gonna be this? Cabrera wasn't hitting. Galeva Torres hadn't really figured it out at that point. Uh, I believe Trevino 
was on paternity. Donaldson might have been on paternity as well. Like they were running out the AAA lineup. Floreal was starting. Oh yeah. Game. Uh, it's like Aaron Judge and and the Goon Squad. So why would you pitch to Aaron Judge and just put him on base and make yeah. anyone else want to beat you? And just to bring us all the way up to speed on this little high speed recap that we were doing, um, you know, they come out, they beat the Rays, they beat the brakes off the Rays, which is honestly just especially satisfying when they do that because the Rays are just so fucking annoying. Like, so to come out and beat the beat the Rays like that was really just tremendous. I feel like in terms of confidence, and otherwise. They, you know, came back this week in Boston, two games against the Red Sox. They beat them, you know, uh, the Red Sox and get up for the Yankees. The Red Sox are pretty good and well out of it. But you know, the Red Sox play the Yankees. You know, they play these marathon four-hour-long games. Yankees win them both, 7-6, 5-3. Um, you know, two pretty good pitching performances. Aaron Judge hit a bunch of home runs. You know, it's all that, you know, the formula, basically. And... Among these last, at this point, five or six days, um, the notable things, I guess, that we could segue now into, um, Aaron Judge seems to be getting really hot again, you know, in a season where you have 57 home runs, I suppose, you're never all that cold to begin with, but he's he's on a streak right now. John Carl Stanton returned to the lineup on Friday the 9th against the Rays, you know, which is especially meaningful for the protection of Judge, like we were saying. Um, prior to that, we've seen a lot of Gleyber Torres bat behind Judge, which I wasn't really a fan of. Um, we could talk more about that in a second. And also, J- Josh Donaldson was on paternity for about four or five days. Um, somewhere in the middle of all this, DJ LeMay, he went on the IL with his foot thing. Rizzo went on the IL with headaches related to his back thing and the treatment of it. And so all these things have been you know, floating around, bouncing each other out. But Judge, Stanton, Torres, dare I say Donaldson, um, the last handful of days have been really pretty good. And, you know, add in the sweet, sweet defense of Oswaldo Cabrera, basically anywhere you put him, and the Yankees have themselves a little something cooking again. Yeah, it, it's, it's starting to feel like they're figuring it out again. I don't want to go on record and say they're back because they could easily go ahead and lay an egg against a really good Brewers team this weekend. And, and I say really good with a grain of salt. They should be way better than they are. Uh, I, I remember when they were like at their worst, they're struggling basically at the same time we were, people were talking about how, like, how could a team that's this well-managed, this well-built on paper, how could they be struggling this bad? And that council may lose his job and all this. And And I still think they're, in a playoff spot, if I recall correctly, or just outside. Uh, okay, so they're two games out of the last wild card spot right now, uh, well behind the Cardinals in the Central. They're not going to probably not going to catch them. They're like eight games back of them. Um, but it's crazy because the the Brewers were atop that division for uh, a big chunk, and they do represent a, a challenge for the Yankees. Still, uh, they're winnable games. Thankfully, we don't face reigning NL Cy Young winner Corbin Burns, so that's that's great for us. But Look, the Yankees got to go ahead and, and take care of business. The, the schedule lightens up a little bit because then following the Brewers games, you got two against Pittsburgh, four more against Boston. I just took it to Boston at Fenway this past week. Um, so, look, here's where you got to kind of get fat again, right? Cushion that AL East lead, lock up the division with maybe seven to ten days left in the season, and then start getting your pitching right. Worry about getting people healthy. You said LeMahieu was on the aisle. I don't really know if we can expect him back, which kind of sucks, but Rizzo should be coming back. You got a plethora of pitching coming back. Chapman should be activated tomorrow. Um, Zach Britton will probably be activated in a week. Luis Severino's making his last rehab start tonight, I believe, and he should be activated after that. Miguel Castro's coming back. Scott Efros, potentially. And then, like I mentioned earlier in the show, we don't really know the status of Andrew Benintendi. He's got that that issue in his wrist. I wouldn't count on him coming back, but you never know. And Matt Carpenter still kind of coming all out of the boot, right? Uh, and I don't know how long it would take him to get his swing right, but there's an outside chance that either of those guys could potentially be activated as well. And then I don't know how you make sense of the roster, right? But there's a lot of potential for this team to continue to get better and healthier and fortify what they got going here. Now, in addition to being healthy, I mean, not healthy, I should say, and, and not hitting. Um, they were playing a really tough schedule 
throughout August when they were struggling. So it was just a, a tornado of bad. But we're starting to come out of that storm. And I really think this is an opportunity for them to get back on track and and at least find who they want to be in October. I don't know who that team's going to be yet. And I still need to see them consistently play at the level they have for the past 10, 10 games. And then I'll maybe have some confidence in them going into the postseason. We talked about it during the worst stretch of this season that it didn't matter what their record was. Like they play like this, they score two or three runs tops every night. I don't care what their record is. I don't care if they win the division. You're going to walk into that first round matchup and you're going to get laughed off the field. If this is how you play. Now we know they have the potential to elevate themselves way above that. And that's what we need to see. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of weird. There's a lot of floating parts, a lot of potential returns. Um, Luis Severino, final line on Severino uh, tonight, four and a third, four hits, two runs, one earned, one walk, six strikeouts, 56 pitches, 40 strikes. And this, uh, you know, Connor Foley, the Rail Riders reporter, says lots of 98s, lots of 97s, lots of change-ups, and altogether pretty encouraging. And from there, like you said, that's got to be his final one. Um, I would imagine he's getting the call to come back at some point, you know, in the rotation where he slots in, um, you know, they had two off days this week, which is a little strange, but um, Severino, that, that'll be, you know, it's always exciting to see him come back and pitch. He's, he's got that juice about him. Um, Boone did say today Chapman will be back. So by the time you're listening to this, he'll be activated or about to be activated via tweet or whatever it is, you know, press release uh, Chapman. And that'll be nice. Um, which means we might be seeing the end of, I don't know, Ryan Weber's tenure with the Yankees, I guess, maybe, but who knows. And otherwise, you know, LeMahieu, Carpenter, um, Benintendi, how can you really tell? Carpenter obviously is older than those other guys. Had a foot injury, which is tricky. It's weight-bearing. He had a break. DJ didn't have a break. He has a sprain or a toe thing or whatever it is that he had, but... um, Carpenter did seem so, like, meaningful and important as a presence for the roster that, like, even – it's hard. I mean, I wouldn't rush him back, obviously, but, like, even if you can get him into a few games and then say, like, hey, we'll, you know, we'll carry you for the first round, but hopefully we'll get you back in the games or get you in, you know, at the minor league complex taking at-bats or something, it just depends. And I think the one that I really want on the field is Rizzo as soon as possible. Um, as soon as he's healthy enough to do so, because I just don't want, like, you know, Marwin Gonzalez playing first base in a playoff game. Um, yeah, I don't think you have to worry about that. At least I hope not, right? Um, yeah. Probably maneuver or something, even if it's like, didn't they say that they were, uh, Cabrera's not really much of a better option, right? Now they said they were working him out there. Like, is there an option that they could potentially teach Donaldson how to play first base in a pinch? Uh, and then line up maybe IKF at third, Cabrera or Peraza at short, and Glaber at second. That's an option. Uh, I don't know. But I, the one one actual injury uh, that we haven't even mentioned, and it seems weird because he hasn't played a single game for the Yankees yet, but getting Harrison Bader is going to be a nice uplift to this team too he's rehabbing with i believe somerset right now probably is going to be promoted up to triple a soon enough he had an absolute but, tank job yesterday yeah he right he, i remember a couple of days ago i sent a tweet that it was just like uh oh for three with two strikeouts and looked terrible against minor league pitching obviously he hasn't played in like three months on his reps or his timing are all off but um it was a little tongue-in-cheek me, me posting like oh we're doomed uh but look aaron hicks in spite of everything we've talked about uplifting this podcast, we were all down in the mud for the large portion of the month of August and even early September um, about everyone. But even now that things are getting better, Aaron Hicks is still a problem. Like He should not play any more baseball for the New York Yankees ever again other than an eighth or ninth or tenth inning pinch running scenario maybe i guess i'd be okay with he doesn't hustle on the outfield he can't hit for shit from the left hand side he can only hit somewhat on the right hand side um it's just like I- i'm so over him and getting bader back even if he doesn't hit all that much he's a goal glove winner you throw him in center field pivot judge back to right 
you figure out left field, maybe Cabrera. I don't know. Um, Stanton, if, if he's feeling up for it, uh, like you, you, you got something there. And Bader is, is a really fast guy on the bases too. So everything that Hicks does minus maybe a little bit of left-handed power. Cause I think Bader's just a right-handed hitter, not a switch hitter. Um, he does basically everything that Hicks is supposed to do, but it can't be worse. Right. So that'll be a nice add to the, to the, the lineup. Yeah, so, and here's the thing about all these various moving parts with the Yankees. You know, it's different now because they have 28-man roster. Um, you know, they're working on getting guys back and all that kind of stuff. Um, just in terms of prioritizing, like, I guess the stuff that you want to see down the stretch and heading into a potential playoff roster, the Yankees traded for Harrison Bader, even though he was hurt. You know, they traded for him. You know, with the anticipation that he'd be back before the end of the season, which it seems like he's pretty much in the next few days going to be back. He's 28 years old. He's really fast, plays great center field, right? This is a skill set they wanted, right? They don't want Aaron Judge playing center field every day. And this is what they wanted. So he's going to play. Um, Judge is going to go back to right field. Maybe on certain days they'll throw him out there in center field again, which is totally fine. Um and otherwise, like, you have to, you know, Peraza's kind of stop getting regular bats, you know, whatever. This was his, like, initial cup of coffee, and I'm sure he'll come back around for spring training next year and compete for a job. Like, that's the hope. Um, but the priority in terms of getting him at bats really is a little bit less now that Glaber Torres especially um, has started to hit the last week or so. You know, IKF has been a little bit more usable recently, so that's been nice as well. But, like... Bader's going to play. Hicks got benched in that loss to the Rays on Friday, made two horrible misplays in the outfield, and got pulled in the middle of the game. And, you know, Boone is the supportive guy, says, like, you know, oh, he was just having a rough night out there. And Aaron Hicks basically was like, um, no, I got pulled out in the middle of the game. I got benched. Like, and, you know, you, you don't want to kick the man when he's down, but, like, he's just had a terrible season. Like, he doesn't help the Yankees in any way right now. And contrast that with Bader, the skill set. He's however many years younger, you know, faster. He batted, you know, 250, 260 so far this regular season when he was playing, which is 40 points better than Aaron Hicks is batting, 50 points better. Like, Bader's going to play. Hicks should not play. Judge is obviously going to play. I'm pretty sure the Yankees said when Stan came back, they would love to sprinkle him into the outfield a little bit before the season is over. Uh, so that's something to consider. And otherwise, my only priority among all these various things is that you have to, have to, have to find a way to keep getting Oswaldo Cabrera in the lineup. Because, you know, he's batting, you know, two something. You know, he's not lighting the world on fire. He's had, you know, some nice hits. He had a home run recently. Like, you know, he's, he's, he has a bit of a pulse with the bat. His defense is incredible. Like, wherever they put him, they put him at second. Yeah, you he's, can live you know, with one or two guys in your lineup. If they're complete defensive stalwarts and they're not going to hit all that much, you can live with that as long as you have five, six, seven like, guys in the lineup who, who can actually contribute. And then if you get anything from the IKF or the, the Cabrera, awesome, right? But if you have four or five guys you who are regularly contributing, it's fine. The problem is when you have all defensive guys, like we had when we had more injuries and no one's hitting, <laughs> you, you can't win games with six gold glovers and six guys who are hitting under 230 without any power, right? Like that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and I think work. the thing about Cabrera is at the very least, you have to keep him on the roster. Like if, if I had to, you know, like Cabrera in 20 something games, I think it's 24 games has 10 defensive runs saved. Like that's insane. And yeah, at least put him in. Yeah, you have to. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, if he's, you know, you put him at second, you put him at, you know, whatever, put him at short, put him in right field, put him wherever, put him literally wherever. He seems to be pretty capable with the glove wherever you put him. Um, left field is intriguing. I don't know if he's how much time he's really gotten out there, but I mean, it's definitely intriguing when you consider the whole Hicks, Stanton, and you know, Ben Attendee's hurt and, you know, all that stuff. But all that to say is that Bader is going to play. Hicks should not play. Um, Stanton, Judge, obviously they're going to play. You know, Oswaldo Cabrera, you, gotta, you have to keep him playing. And at this point, if the Yankees 
have all these, you know, if Bader comes back and looks adequate, right? How can you possibly put Aaron Hicks in a playoff lineup? How can you put him in a playoff roster? He doesn't like they they can replace what he's supposed to give them with any number of other people on the roster. I would say, yeah, three or four guys can all provide what he does. Uh, some speed, some outfield defense when they're not being lazy uh, or up in their own head. Limited bat, right? So, like, for sure, Cabrera and Bader check both those boxes, and they're better, right? Um, and, and I think with Hicks, the problem is that at this point, it, it, there's got to be some level of it being mental, right? Like, he struggled here as long as he has. Uh, at a certain point, you just got to be in your own head. Like, I still think there's mm. some talent in that body, but I don't think he can put on pinstripes and find that talent at this point. He's got to move on. And maybe best of luck to you somewhere else. Maybe you can somehow revive your career. Maybe it's just not going to work here. And I don't want to see him play all that much from now on the rest of the season, throughout however long they're deep in a playoff run. And then, then you talk about cutting bait in the offseason. What, what are there, three years left on this deal after this year? That's $30 million. Not a lot. Years, maybe we just bucks. eat it. I know the Yankees don't like doing that, but maybe if you trade them pennies on a dollar, like you, you have to attach a prospect and get someone to eat most of his money. I don't know. Find like a way to move on. He cannot like, continue. I mean, Cashman could probably get him somewhere, right? Like he could probably trade him for at least a little something. Um, yeah, look, he doesn't he love golfing in Arizona? Send him to the Diamondbacks. I don't give a shit. Yeah, they I have mean, so much young talent in outfield. Why like, would they play him? Like, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. like, it's, it, you know, all that to say, like, Hicks, you know, God bless him. It's just, it's just over. You know, he's shot with the Yankees anyway. They ha- they can replace his skill set with Bader, with, you know, Cabrera, with Judge, with, you know, whoever. Like, it's just... It's a sad ending. You know, he had a couple, you know, pretty good years. And uh, and that's that. You know, he shouldn't be on the playoff roster. And he shouldn't honestly play all that much, like you said. He shouldn't play all that much down the stretch here as long as Bader comes back in the next few days. Um, and, you know, if DJ comes back and if um, Carpenter I comes back. I would on DJ coming back. And if he does, like, he wasn't really hitting all that much anyway. So, like, as much as it sucks, I, I almost think, like, you, you got to write that off. The guy you, you're most likely going to get back are, are Bader and Rizzo, and I think you just take that and run with Which it. I think is good because the Yankees can strike, I guess we could segue here a little bit into like some lineup stuff. Um, you know, and they started to do some some good things. You know, Judge has been batting leadoff, which I don't hate. And obviously, There's no reason why you know, not to keep doing it. The analytics people would tell you that obviously he's your best hitter, and if you bat him leadoff, then you get him the most at bats. That's fine. Um, Stanton was batting right behind him, second, which again, love it. You know, that's the protection that Judge was missing for several weeks. And then we'll give, I guess, I'll, I'll, I'll give a. I'll say this, you know, the Yankees can strike a pretty good balance of like offense. Like you could put like four or five, like really good hitters at the top of your lineup and then put like, you know, a handful of like really good defensive players in the lineup that don't truly kill you at the plate. You know, like Trevino, pretty capable with the bat, hit a double, you know, almost a dead center field and Fenway the other night. Um, Bader, if he bats 260, that's fine. It's better than fucking Hicks was doing. Um, Cabrera is a little pesky with, or with pesky with the bat. Um, Donaldson, who the fuck knows? You know, he he has his moments. And otherwise, like, you know, if you get Rizzo back in there, that top four or five starts to look pretty healthy and pretty deep again, which I yeah, love. Yeah, as it. long as we don't have IKF batting cleanup anymore. Like, I, I get why they did that for a few days, but. Like, no. Yeah, IKF. Oh, yeah. This was fun, actually. We have to, we have to do this. IKF. Um, you know, because we've very deservedly so, honestly, we ripped on the man quite a bit this year because, you know, defense and singles and you know, nothing much of any real excitement was happening. He wasn't contributing, and was making a lot of errors and just being very annoying to watch. And then September happened, and he 
just hit a bunch of home runs. Like he hit two home runs. He had a grand slam against the Twins, right? He had a bunch of hits. You know, he's kind of playing in terms of batting average, playing a little bit more till his baseball card, which is, I guess, it's nice. You know, has a bunch of multi-hit games here in September, um, and he hit two, two home runs, which you know was just it, it tripled his season total. So that was cool. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's uh, th- that's the thing. Like, if he wasn't hitting 270 with zero home runs in the middle of August, um, I don't think people would be so critical. Like, even go back. There's there's so many players the Yankees have had that we expected good defense from, and you live with it if they hit. Like, Glaber Torres is a recent example. When he was at shortstop, made a ton of errors. We can keep going back to Derek Jeter's rookie year then they make like 56 errors or something like that and one rookie there anyway because he hit yeah. like that's fine you live with that like, you, you don't want uh, a defensive disaster at, at the marquee position on the diamond but look three home runs 45 rbis those are somewhat representative numbers now for a bottom of the line of pitter like if you look at dj lemay who's i know he's been out for a while but he's only played eight less games than i kept he has 46 rbis like I get he's been leading off a bunch, and, and then the guys at the bottom of the lineup weren't getting on in front of him, but he wasn't all wasn't producing all that much either. And we have to wonder how long he was battling this injury. And and he went through a cold streak. He looked like he was heating up, what June, July, that he was going to start to regain that 2019, 2020 form. I think it's gone. I think that was a flash in the pan. He'll be a decent hitter the rest of the time he's here. I just don't think you can ever expect that kind of guy. But look, IKF, if you produce. Camp is like the year, on the fine. nose, on the fucking nose, performing to the back of his baseball card. Um, he is a 266, 317 on base percentage, 666 OPS hitter. And this season, he is currently batting 270, 321, and 655. He's performing offensively exactly how the Yankees, you know, would have anticipated him. Yeah, you would just exactly let him have numbers. made less errors in the field, and then they would have been fine. Yeah, you know. So he's he got hits, 20 stolen you know, bases. That's nice. Like, you know, he's got 117 hits, probably like 75 fucking percent of them are singles. It's fine. You put him at, like, seventh or eighth in the lineup, and every now and then you get a, some production out of the body in your lineup. Like, so he's had a nice little nice little run here, which is cool. A Yankee fan growing up. I like to see people have success. Um, and I will use that to segue here to, I guess, our player, our current, you know, non-judge, um, exciting player to talk about, um, it's Glaber Torres, who has had a couple of really good games the last, you know, handful of days. Um, I'm going to give you the, you know, the stats, right? The last seven games, batting 290, slugging 516, on-base percentage 353. Had a really fun Little League home run against the Red Sox, who are just an absolute train wreck defensively, but... Um, Gleyber Torres. Stan is back. Gleyber Torres has been slotting into the lineup in the third spot. Yeah, he's been batting third and fourth a bunch. Um, kind of where they flip-flop Donaldson, I guess. But I think both games have yeah. been hitting third. Yeah, and so I'll throw it to you now, I guess. Gleyber Torres, um, and we have some statistical evidence to back these things up. For the most part this season, pretty good. Representative, you know. Um, not hitting 40 home runs anymore, but that's fine. Yeah, um, but look, but what the do you thing think about, about Torres? Torres, like, what do you think about his recent spurt of success, how, how it helps things for the Yankees? Well, well, that's the thing is because there's not a ton of guys healthy and producing, and the fact that he's finally stepped up and played a pivotal role, right? He had the three-run bases-clearing double and extra innings in the first game against the Red Sox that won that game, and then had that Little League home run uh, last night. It, it's... I was critical of him even earlier in the year when you look at his numbers. It just didn't seem like – I know the the OPS plus, the the way that one runs created looked decent, but I just never felt like he was as impactful as the data showed, right? Like, I, great. I, and this is kind of where I, I don't like to say, oh, you, you play the eye test versus the stats. Like, the stats are, are priority, right? But you kind of get a gut feeling. How has this guy impacted the game, right? So a guy who hits a bunch of garbage time home runs may have decent slugging, but if he's not actually coming through when you need it, you kind of know that he's not impacting the games that are close, right? And not that Glaber was doing that necessarily. He wasn't hitting a bunch of garbage time home runs, but his 
March, April, May, June, July stats, I think are a little misleading. I, I, I think he was a, a good hitter. The, the on-base percentage was, was pretty good. Uh, batting average was up there. I just didn't feel like he was producing at the level that the, the data kind of implied he was. And then he fell off the face of the earth in August and even the first week of September, right? So, like, shout out um, at NYYNick underscore. Uh, we pulled this tweet uh, earlier today. It's at Glaber Torres. Weighted runs created plus by the months, March and April, 94. Again, for, for the, any of those plus stats, 100 baseline league average, anything above is by what percentage you're above league average, anything below is by that. Um, May 126, June 131, July 134, August 28. He was 72% worse than a league average hitter in August, which is like unbelievably bad, right? And I think part of the criticism he got at that time was for sure deserved so, but it almost kind of skewed how you felt about what he did earlier in the year, which I said didn't feel like he was great, but it was still good numbers, right? Uh, but what he did in August, you're like, well, this guy is a disaster. He can't do anything right. And all of a sudden, he's flipped the switch in September. And right now, he's at 114 WRC plus for the month, 14% above league average. But we know what he's done in the past few games. Right? Those two home runs against Tampa. Uh, he had huge, I believe, the game-winning hits in both games in Boston. The runs he drove in accounted for the difference in both those games. Look, Gleyber Torres, I was far too critical of him, and, and I'll own that. But I, it's hard for me to say too critical, too, because he, he he did deserve the criticism he was getting when he was playing like the worst player in baseball for a month. But he's certainly figured, figured it out now. He's found his footing, and boy, do we need it. And this is the thing. They don't need him to be, you know, you'd think like, oh, he's batting third. You need him, you know, he needs to be like a 30 home run guy. He needs to be a high slugging guy. It's like, you know. The Yankees lineup is unconventional, and especially now in the age of, you know, statistics and all that stuff where Judge's best hitter, he's batting first. Stanton is, you know, maybe your best, you know, you know, quote-unquote power hitter, right? He's, like, he's batting second. Like, this is a weird lineup. And so just for him to be, you know, slashing a double, a line drive into the gap, scores two runs the other night against the Red Sox, you know, slashes a, a, a basically a single into the outfield, um, the, you know, last night against the Red Sox, it turns into a fucking Little League home run, right? The Red Sox throw the ball over the yard, like, just put the ball in play, get some singles, a couple extra base hits, every now and then you'll pop one out of the ballpark. He's not going to hit 40 home runs. That was a fucking anomaly, right? The, the Orioles were a train wreck, and the balls were juiced beyond belief he's not going to be a 40 home run guy but he just needs to be a capable hitter just put the fucking ball in play bounce it into the outfield for some singles some doubles well, that's the thing he's at his best when he's hitting hard line drives into the right center field gap like that's his game and the hits that we he's gotten in recent days have been literally that like that's his bread and butter right stay behind the ball a little bit Smack it hard. Like, I think the exit velocity on the, the base clearing double and extras on, what was that, Tuesday night? was like 107 miles an hour. That ball was ripped. It was low, so it didn't seem like he, he crushed it, right? Like, you, you these towering home runs, you realize how hard someone hits it. But like, that ball got to the wall fast because it was blasted off the bat. So, look, this is exactly who he is, and it could not come to a better time for us. Yeah, and so this is where it gets interesting, I guess, in terms of lineup construction. Um because if you get a guy like Rizzo back, obviously you have two right-handed guys. Glaber is right-handed batter. Donaldson's a right-handed batter. Um, Rizzo, I'm thinking you probably put him somewhere in that three or four spot. Um, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not crazy about Glaber batting fourth. I don't know. It's just, you know, maybe it's just an old ways of baseball things in my brain. I'm not crazy about it. But I would um, go Rizzo in the cleanup spot. I would go the same top three you have right now with Judge Stanton Torres, put Rizzo four, Donaldson five, and then you figure out the bottom four spots. And then you're also some combination of probably six, which is a little high. Cabrera seven, Bader eight, Trevino. No, Trevino would be way higher. Trevino might be hitting six, right? And then you drop maybe Cabrera to the ninth spot. Uh, I'm okay with that. Honestly, I'd be pretty okay with that. Um, 
No, and Glaber, I mean, again, you have to take the eye test a little bit into consideration. Um, but the numbers do bear out. And so he's only he's had one pretty fantastically awful month. Every other month he's been pretty capable. So like, it's coming back to us now, and it's popping off the page now because one, this is the playoff run. Everyone's paying attention. High profile games against the Red Sox, against the Rays, right? But like, he's had a pretty overall pretty good season. So like. He just needs to keep this going now because he's a top of the lineup guy now. DJ is hurt, you know. You don't know if Carpenter and all those kind of kinds of things are gonna, you know, insert themselves back into the conversation. So just just keep hitting those line drives. But Glaber Torres had a heck of a fucking week, and uh, and that's pretty cool. So so let me actually kind of pivot a little bit. Um, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the bullpen right after this, but an interesting debate I heard on i believe it was carton and roberts driving home from work today um they weren't like spending a whole segment about it but um evan roberts kind of just floated an idea and craig was like ah, nah, 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 nah. um but actually i think it was the other way around um carton was saying in, in a five game series you would start cortez as the first guy and of course, Roberts is like, nah, what are you talking about? It's cold. You start your ace the first game, then you have him lined up to pitch a game five, which I get that argument, but like, would you consider Nestor to start a playoff series, then have Cole backing him up in game two? And then should you win in four games, maybe Cole's, uh, well, I guess then you could just restart it, right? If it goes five, you have Nestor, and you have Cole to start the next series. Like, that's an option. Is that too crazy? It's. Not as crazy as it would have been a year ago. Because, you know, Cole had his thing at Fenway Park and, you know, Nestor's came out this year and it's just been tremendous. And obviously he's a lefty, so that helps even more as they get the crafty lefty thing going on, you know, in a league where most of the pitchers that you face are righties. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't dismiss it out of hand. I don't think very pretty flatly. I don't think the Yankees would do it, but I no, think it would be a fun conversation to have. Um, but well, I guess. But then, who see. do you host, who else do you slot in that rotation? Right? Like, I guess it depends on how Severino looks, how stretched out he might be. But do you think he can immediately take back the number three spot in the rotation with three or four good starts to end the season? Uh, because Tyone has kind of picked up his game a little bit, but he, he was incredible earlier and then was just dreadful. At, at best, he was league average for like a three-month stretch, right? And then he's had some some good outings of late, but I don't know how much I trust him. Uh, Frankie Montas, you traded him for him to be your number two, and he just hasn't been that guy. I don't know if he just needs to make some adjustments or he's running some bad luck. I think See, the thing about this that's whole... an interesting one because you don't really owe him anything, right? He hasn't been here all year, so he's going to be the tricky one who you deal with. Yeah, but, I mean, Montes is an acquisition. Like, I don't think – I mean, I don't think – especially – I just don't think they would be like, hey, you're sitting – like, you're going with the bullpen or whatever. I just don't think they would do that. But that's an interesting conversation with the Severino, you know, potentially imminent return is who goes – Right? How do you sort this out? Like Herman has been good. Like Herman has been really pretty good in most of his starts. Uh, Cortez is doing his thing. Garrett Cole's Garrett Cole. Frankie Montas is a pretty established starting pitcher. And otherwise, you have Jameson Tyone. Is you know I don't know. He's up and down. He's you know he's got pretty good stuff. You know his results. It's a good are mixed. problem to have, right? Because like, there's not a lot of guys who you can just throw in the bull. Like, I don't think you could just move Tyone to the bullpen. Like, maybe he takes to it well for a short playoff run, right? And then can come back. He's gonna be a free agent, so he'll just be fine to start again for whoever team he plays for next year. Um, but you're gonna have a lot of bullpen guys come back too. So some people are not gonna make the roster, and who can you have in the rotation to transition to the bullpen? I think Herman's done it. Um, Schmidt's doing it right now. Severino, I could see them, and I hate it because I love him as a starter, but we've seen he could be effective as a reliever too. Like the fact that he's not going to be stretched out, do they just say, you know what, we're doing this again, where you're still a starter long term, but based on the injury and the ramp up time, 
guess what? Playoff time again, your reliever. Like I could see them doing that again. There's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting decisions to be made because again, certain guys aren't going to go to the bullpen. Montas won't. Cortez sure, sure shit won't. Or like Tyone will. So you got to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, that's the upsetting thing is that like the Severino to the bullpen is like the maybe quote unquote the easiest, um, the easiest solution to that. I mean, Herman too. Herman's pitch out of the bullpen in his career has been pretty good. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, not to like puff him up too much, but he's been really pretty good in most of his starts, Herman has. And that's different than like throwing him in a playoff series. I get that. But like, the results matter. And, you know, Cole's going to start the playoff series. Or Cole's going to pitch in the playoffs. Nestor's going to pitch in the playoffs. After that, you know, I don't know. Montez starts, what, game three? He hasn't pitched all that well, but he's pretty established for his career. Uh, not that they're going to start fucking around with him. They just got him, and they need to keep him as happy, quote-unquote, so that he doesn't you know, become a problem down the line. Right. Um, so that's three. And after that, it's like, I don't know, you know, right now they're, they would start the playoffs against either the Rays or the Guardians. And um, is that how it shakes you know, out right now? Yeah, that's the potential matchup. Yankees would so get they're the, the number the quote, two. Quote, the, yeah. Which means, um, right, so you have Cleveland versus as of right now, Tampa, but Tampa and Toronto are flip-flopping every day. Seattle's firmly established as the number one wild card. But actually, I, I said, I, you know, look, all these teams would then have a game of each other, so that could still go crazy, right? So the Yankees would play, though, the winner of... Yeah, I, they would play the winner of Tampa Bay and Cleveland. As of right now. Right, right, the, the division winner, because and then... Houston's guaranteed to play a wild card team because they would be the number one. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. And so I guess if you're playing your division series, you know, your five game series, um, obviously you deploy that in a, a lot of different ways, depending on how the series goes. But if you're actually firmly going to start like five different people, which I don't think they would, um, I don't know. You'd have an interesting discussion on who you're going to leave out. Uh, based on, you know, current performance, past performance, pedigree, what you gave up to get them, et cetera. Like, it's a fun little discussion. And this brings us back to the Jordan Montgomery dilemma, right? Like, yeah, I get he's looked good for, for St. Louis. Sometimes the teams you face uh, are, are more apt or, or averse to the types of pitches you throw. Clearly, they said he's throwing his four-seamer more, so maybe that's having part of an effect. But I don't think the Yankees ever saw him getting a playoff start anyway, so... What's the point of having him on the regular season roster throughout this year only to be like, guess what? You're going to the bullpen or you're going to be off the roster. Like he, he wasn't getting the job done before we traded him. Like, and there's no guarantee that if we kept him, that his performance in St. Louis would have happened for us. Right. So imagine this, this discussion with Montgomery thrown in there too. It, it gets even more chaotic. And so it kind of justifies why the Yankees did what they did. Just like, Who's one guy they weren't going to give a start to? So, just get I mean, him. look, Montgomery. This was a two-minute little sidebar. Montgomery has been saying, and the stats bear it out. You know, that St. Louis is having them having him throw his four-seam fastball like a lot more than he threw it with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And I guess he was saying stuff like, you know, I guess they just didn't really believe in me throwing that pitch, or whatever. And Matt Blake basically was just like, you know, you face different batters here than you do where you are now like mm-hmm. so we maybe don't believe in you throwing it this much to the hitters that you were facing here versus who you're facing like it's kind and of i could be wrong role. but are, aren't the the nl central lineups a little more left-handed um a lot of the al east rosters had the ability to go nine deep right-handed hitters when every time they face montgomery which they did so, like i wonder if that had an effect too that his arsenal is one yeah, thing, like a matchup was certainly part of the equation and here's the thing you know god bless him he doesn't throw 100 miles an hour he throws like you know mid low mid 90s whatever has kind of a soft tossing crafty lefty vibe about him whatever 
it's fine. He has a you know adequate fastball. The Red Sox offense is good. Their defense and pitching is a fucking disaster. The offense is fine. Toronto, we know their deal. Their offense is tremendous. And the Rays just are effective. And now the Orioles are on the come up too. So like the American League East is a tough division. And whether or not he's throwing his fastball at 5%, 15, 20, it doesn't really matter. Like he is gone. He, we saw, we had two something years worth of body work of him pitching for this team in this division. And he was okay. And if he goes somewhere else now and he's pitching fucking fantastic, good for him. He was he was literally here not doing that. So, like, what can you do? Tip your cap to the man. Go go win a playoff game. Who cares? He's gone. They, I'm not they have five or six starters here. I don't really care that he's gone. If he's having success somewhere else, God bless him. He's gone. He's not coming back. They have six starters to choose from. We, didn't, we don't know who they're going to start, you know, in a playoff series now. Right. All right. So, look. So, let's finish up the show tonight. We, we kind of cover everything. Um, like shout out to Aaron Judge too, because like he's the MVP. And if you think otherwise, you're wrong. Like I don't care that he doesn't pitch. Um, I don't care that uh, Shohei Otani is a two-way player. Um, Aaron Judge leads hey, what's the American Aaron League in every meaningful offensive category. End of, and, and he's going to break the American League home run record. So like that that yes. end of discussion. He also has an ERA of zero. Loser, <laughs> Angel fans. <laughs> um, so real quick. Uh, I know I kind of prepped you on this. Aaron Judge is the. We should just end the show with Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is the MVP. Cut. Like, <laughs> uh, we still have more work to do, though. Uh, let's do bullpen trust list. We haven't done those in uh, probably like three, four months, right? Um, Ugh, God, it hasn't been even worth doing for three or four months. <laughs> yeah, there's been so many guys coming in and out. A lot of guys been up and down. Like Clay Holmes was the best reliever in baseball for three months, and then fell off the face of the earth. A lot of guys have been hurt. We traded for Efros, and then he kind of quickly got hurt. I think he's been hurt for longer of his Yankee tenure than he was healthy. Um, look, there's the guys that are going to get some respect uh, tonight, like Ron Marinaccio, who hasn't really been uh, in the, the discussion. Not that we've done them a bunch this year, but um, Greg Weissert's an easy throwaway. Albert Ray's an easy throwaway. Warm body, Dude, unless you like to say Ryan list. Weber's a throwaway. Stop blowing up my list. <laughs> These are all guys who won't be making the lists. But um, yeah, I will. Uh, I'll let you go first. Um, we'll just do what we normally do. Uh, top five. You can do it in any order you want. Five to one, one to five. I don't give a shit. Okay, I'm gonna go here. Um, you know, Weiser is having his cup of coffee. He's, you know, whatever. He's not on the list. Department store man can come to life. Ryan Weber. He's not on my list. Lou Trevino just doesn't pitch. And, you know, whatever, that's fine. Um, my, I'll go five to one. Number five, Lucas Litke. Because he doesn't pitch that often, but when he does, he's really pretty good. But, like, in terms of, like, actual useful sample size, like, he just kind of doesn't pitch as much as your other, like, quote-unquote top guys. So he's number five. Number four is Clay Holmes. And this four with the potential to move up pretty quickly because obviously he was insanely tremendously good early in the season and then he hit his rough spot and he got hit or, you know hurt and all that stuff he's back looking like he's maybe sort of getting it back he's number four number three we got ronnie marinaccio um you know number 97 ron marinaccio the guy you know minor leaguer kind of came out of nowhere he's like this year's new bullpen guy um but he's been awesome you know, he had a stretch of, what was it, 20-something innings without a run or with one run earlier in the season. He's been really good, um, and that's pretty cool for him. So, number three. Uh, number two, we got Johnny Lasagna, who has had his own odyssey of a season. You know, he was incredible last year. He came out this year. He was, you know, hurt and hurt his shoulder and came back and... You know, it's been an up and down kind of thing. And now he's looking the last, you know, handful of time here. He's looking like he has actually gotten pretty close to getting back to his his last year self. So Johnny Lasagna, number two. I'm really and curious before before you go, just because there's two guys, like two pretty important pitchers in our bullpen. One guy is going to be your number one. The other guy's not even going to make the top five. So, like, I'm pretty curious where you're going to go with this. But I just we will talk about it afterwards. because I think both guys are going to be on my list. 
One's going to completely miss yours, but we're good. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly which one that you're talking about that's not on my list. So, number one on my list is Wandy Peralton. Big Dick Wandy, um, nice. Big Dick Wandy. The lefty, you know, this guy, man, you know, and I, we've kind of talked about this in the past where it's like, you know, when Chapman's hurt, when Lasagna's hurt, when XYZ Holmes are hurt, whatever, and all of a sudden Wandy's like your second or third guy. I have a little bit of angst about that. But just his whole body work for the season has been really, really good. And I think defensively, he's really pretty fucking good bouncing off the mound to field the position. Um, but Wandy, you know, very incredibly, you know, like respectable numbers. Um, sometimes it makes a bit of an adventure out of it. But otherwise, right now, he's my number one guy, you know, prestigious bullpen trust list, number one spot. I think that will probably change pretty quickly. Um based on potential returns, potential improvements, potential whatever. But for now, Wandy, um, I'll give him his moment in the sun to say that he's had a really pretty darn good season and good for him. Okay. All right. I, I respect it. Um, Wandy's definitely on my list as well. Uh, I just feel like every time he comes in, and, and this is probably more Boone's fault than it is Wandy's fault, but I feel like they bring him in as a fireman, like, Hey, Clay Holmes couldn't get out of the inning. Wandy cleaned the mess, and then he can't. It's like, I get it's your job as a as a as a reliever to make sure inherited runners don't score, but also like if you're not making the mess all the time, you can't be held accountable when you don't clean it up 100 percent of the time. So maybe I'm a little biased or a little harsher towards Wandy than I should be. Um, so the name that you missed that I'm going to put on number five, uh, similar logic. Um, I, I'm going to take uh, Litke off. I just don't feel like he, he pitches enough to, to justify this. Now, he certainly had incredible numbers this year, but I feel like part of where they view him is they don't see him as a high leverage guy. Uh, and if Boone doesn't see that, um, he's not going to be in those spots. So I, I don't know if I like trust him in those spots if the manager doesn't ever put him in those spots, right? So I'm going to put Clark Schmidt. Um, Clark, very inconsistent usage. He'll come in two or three days in a row, or then he'll pitch – Another time, three, four innings, and then not again for another week. It's almost like a quasi-start, right? But his numbers are, are are decent, right? Last 15 games, the ERA is about three and a half, but it's two and a half the last seven games. Lots of strikeouts. Really, really good stuff. I'm going to give you two, three innings in a pinch whenever you need it. Um, so I really do like Clark. I'm going to put Ron Marinaccio at four. Ron's had an awesome year, and his numbers look really good. I just never feel like he has like that big game medal yet. And he hasn't ever pitched in a playoff game, which as being a rookie, it's no fault of his own, but I kind of need to see We're we're starting to think about where this team stacks up in October uh, as a bullpen and, and trying to preempt what the pecking order may be. So Ron is, is four for me. I'm going to put Clay Holmes at three, similar like you, he's has the opportunity to shoot up really fast because he was the best reliever in baseball, even better than Edwin Diaz for a two or three month window um, coming off the back injury, coming off his struggles with control, whatever else it was. Um, he's figuring it out slowly, but surely his last seven games, zero is three point three and a quarter. Um, not great, but nine strikeouts and eight and a third uh, innings pitched. He does have three saves. He'll get there. But Wandy at two, because he's been really stout this year. He, he doesn't blow you away with anything, um, but he does have a really, really good changeup. Has a nice slider that he struck out Devers with. Uh, I believe that was the extra innings game, right? And when he wants to, he can gas up to 96, 97. So, like, Wandy's really good. And for me, I'm going to put my guy, Jonathan Loizaga, number one. Over his last 15 games, he's thrown 15 in the third innings, only allowed 10 hits, two earned runs. 10 strikeouts, zero is 1.17. His whip is 0.85. Loisga had a dreadful start to the year. And again, it was probably a shoulder injury. He came back, wasn't great either. But over the last month or so, even when they were still kind of struggling a little bit late August is when he started locking in. Like he's starting to show signs of who he was last year, which was arguably the best reliever on the team. A team that had Clay Holmes coming up. A team that had Araldis Chapman, right? Like Loisga was our guy last year. And I'm starting to think that we'll have to see where Britton, Severino, Chapman all come back and slot in. But it's possible that Loisga may be your eighth inning guy behind Clay Holmes come October. So 
for now, he's the top of my bullpen trust list. It's like, it could be a lot of, you know, <clears throat> could be some tough decisions here. But all of a sudden, you know, you could get like a bullpen lineup of God, you know, Holmes, Loizaga, Chapman, Britton, Wandy. Like all of a sudden you could be going like six guys deep. Woodkey, right? He's a second lefty or a third lefty. Like it's crazy that you know, you think you have these guys in and out and hopefully you know, it could be coming all together at the right moment here where the Yankees could have like an absurdly deep bullpen. Yeah, we didn't even mention Efros, right? Like, his numbers with the Yankees aren't great, but you saw how good he was when Chicago, with Chicago. That's why we we traded an up-and-coming starter to get four years of control of Efros. Uh, who the hell knows? Maybe he he, he slots in, too. Uh, Castro probably is just going to fill up the bullpen at the end of the season. We'll make the, the playoff roster. Um uh, and then the guys that we mentioned will be off as well. But yeah, there's a there's a, a possibility for the Yankees to have a dynamic bullpen. Now, of course, the question is going to, have to be: Can they score three, four, five runs early in the game and then hold on for dear life? Because we saw even that one game against Tampa Bay where they scored ten runs out of the first two innings. They used an opener, which they hadn't done all year, right? Herman pitched on short rest through one inning, and then they got a parade of relievers, which is the Rays' thing uh, against the Rays. And I think what they gave up three runs in that game. Uh, four runs, which wasn't great, but you had all the bottom guys pitching that game because you had such a gigantic early lead. So the Yankees have a fleet of arms. It's just who's going to step up, who's going to choke in the moments, right? And can you get enough offense to make any of that matter? Yeah, and so the pitching at this point is what you make of it. Like, the pitching this year has not been the problem really ever. Um, The month of August, they couldn't hit worth a goddamn. And especially now that you're poised to get, you know, Chapman and maybe two or three or four other guys back. That's pretty tremendous. But all those options really, it's just about how you deploy them because they're they're all plenty good enough pitchers. And at this point, it's just, you know, the pitching and the defense, you know, sorry, the batting, the hitting and the defense um, is what's going to matter here down the stretch. Judge is going to do his thing and everything else you know, is the, the shit that we can say about Aaron Boone that's been annoying, right? It's the decisions that you make on the margins, right? No one's going to say, oh, you know, I'm not going to play my best player, right? That that would be stupid. But, like, if they carry, you know, got, we're, we're, we're ripping pretty fucking hard on Aaron Hicks. It's like if Bader plays well or, you know, Cabrera plays well, and for some random reason they put Aaron Hicks into the lineup in a playoff game, it's like, why the fuck would you do that? Right, the pitcher can pitch a shutout at that point. Like, yeah, I think I think all things change in October, and we've seen that with Boone, and, and I think that's kind of the the biggest cause of heartburn for us in the four years, I guess five years now that he's been manager of the Yankees, is that he doesn't have that sense of urgency until October, and yeah, you need to have that sense of urgency in the playoff games, but it's nice to kind of play a ten game stretch against tough opponents in July, like their playoff games even if you know they're not, just have that mentality, right? Like play your best lineup, play the same lineup that scored 10 runs one day, play the same batting order four days in a row after that until something doesn't work or someone gets hurt and needs a day off, whatever, right? Um, and I don't really do that. And, and I think part of what you're saying, like you, you'll see Hicks play a random day uh, just because you're tinkering. It's the regular season. You got to fill up 162 games and no one's going to play more than 145, whatever, right? Uh, that all goes out the window in October. And I think to Boone's credit, he won't randomly start Aaron Hicks in a playoff game unless he absolutely needs to. And that would be tragic for us. That means we, we had a wave of injuries at the absolute worst time. So the thing that makes me laugh just in, in this vein of conversation before we start to wrap up here, like Hicks came and pinch it um, in the Tuesday game, you know, came into pinch hit. And had a pretty good at bat, and I, he, you know, I think he walked in that at bat, and I was like, God damn it! I was like, He's going to be in the lineup tomorrow. <laughs> sure enough, he was, and that was like his first game action since, you know, since the benching and that whole fiasco against the Rays. He comes up with, you know, the pinch hit at bat, has a pretty good at bat, fouls off a bunch of pitches and walks. I was like, Yeah, they're putting him in the lineup tomorrow. So, but yeah, hopefully we're aware that that all is not a factor in the playoffs when we have other better players more available. So 
Aaron Hicks. We're down on Aaron Hicks. We're up on a lot of other stuff, but we're down on Aaron Hicks. God bless him. He just can't play baseball anymore. Yeah, I think it's a good place to to call this show tonight. Um, a little over the, the the one hour mark, and again, we had a lot to cover. Hadn't been on in about three weeks, but look, the Yankees are are on the come up again. Um, they're not quite the dominating force that they were in June, but they're slowly working their way back into form. We're going to see how much different this team looks in ten days after they've they've played some easier competition, hopefully gotten some reinforcements and then started to settle into where you where you are in the playoffs, right? It's a really 13 game magic number to clinch the division. If they can get that down to five or less by next week, then you're on cruise control. And, and finally you can go on cruise control. And, and at that point, if you lose a couple of games, it no longer matters, right? We're not catching the Astros. We're certainly not catching the Dodgers to get home field advantage in the world series. Should we make it that far? Um, you know what, where where your record's going to be. And as long as you take care of your business and you start figuring out the playoffs, the last week or so of the regular season means less, um, which is going to be a nice <laughs> stress release for us. Um, but yeah, so for, for Andrew and G, this is once again the 126th episode of the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast. Sponsored Aaron Judge is the MVP. <laughs> and Aaron Judge is the MVP. Got it.